You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, one and all. It is Monday, Football Monday, the SB Nation NFL Show's premiere show. I am RJ Ochoa. He is Pete Sweeney. He is Michael Kist. It is the Monday following week nine. There is one more game left to play, but nobody cares because the New York Jets stink. Boys, <laughs> we are over halfway, technically, mostly. It depends how you look at it. Glass half full, glass half empty. I'm not quite certain. I, you know, I know both of you are, are different depending on the mood. Pete, happy Monday of week nine. This is great. I am actually in my Chiefs bye week. So as you guys know, well, that comes with a little bit less work. So I'm happy about that little R&R right in here, halfway through the NFL season. Let's get, let's get, let's get lit. Kiss, you're coming off your bye. Um, are, are, are you feeling refreshed? Are, are you feeling re-energized? I mean, what, what's your, what's your status? It was a great Sunday to just enjoy the football games and not worry about the Eagles. It was a great week. This week, you know, we're kind of slow rolling into the, into the Eagles schedule here. I told you guys before the show, Assassin's Creed Valhalla comes out on Tuesday. Hallelujah. So we got that going on. But yeah, man, overall, I had a really fun time. There were some weird games, some fun times. We're going to talk about it right here on Monday Football Monday. You could say Valhalla-luya, couldn't you? Valhalla-luya, I love it. Yeah. You both touched on the teams that you cover specifically for SB Nation. You can see in here Pete Sweeney at ArrowheadPride.com and all of their properties. You can see in here Michael Kist at Bleeding Green Nation and all of their properties. Maybe uh, on your local PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Hangout, I mean, whatever the case might be. Uh, it is a big week for that as well. It also is Masters Week. I just wanted to slip that in there. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, where you can find my work at BloggingTheBoys.com are on a buy. I am very grateful uh, so that I can experience a tradition unlike any other, which is literally unlike any other this particular season, as is everything in the world. Boys, let's get started. Nobody, and I mean nobody, circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> 44 to 34, the final score. Boof Alo taking down Russ's not cooked uh, Seattle Seahawks. Not well done. Uh, very raw meat. Uh, Russell Wilson left out. 44-34, the Buffalo Bills are 7-2. and two. Michael Kist, your thoughts on uh, a Josh Allen that you have been quite critical of in the past. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I know I picked the Seahawks in this one, but I've always... We all did, by the way. So kudos mm, us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the, I think almost all the national experts did too. Football is chaos as we know. And look, I've always believed. So it's fine. This is a Seattle team that is making pretty good quarterbacks look great. Uh, haven't allowed less than 23 points all year. Three times they have allowed over 30 coming into this one. This marks the fourth. And this isn't an insult to Josh Allen, who I thought played really well in this one. And I think at the very least, we can say he's a good quarterback after falling to earth a little after his like wall crashing Kool-Aid man start to the season. <laughs> every, time <Hey>! I've, <laughs> every time I've talked about this Seattle team, and you know I'm high on them, but it's always couched with the statement that the defense, especially the pass rush, 
is a potential problem for them. So they're going to get run up on, and it's Russell Wilson holding it all together with his magical play throughout the season. And you see what happens to the Seahawks as a whole when Russ looks human, which he should be allowed to look human from time to time without getting you know blown out and, and run out like this. I mean, they left guys wide open down the field on second and 27, and it wasn't even a scramble drill. The Seahawks were just busting all over the place. And, and one of the factors that allowed the Bills and Josh Allen to thrive in this one, I've mentioned his name before, offensive coordinator Brian Dable, who had the Seahawks defense looking like they were playing with nine on the field at times. They abandoned the run, they spread it out, and they put it on their quarterback shoulders. They had a fantastic game plan, really took advantage of the Seahawks' obvious weaknesses, and the Seahawks tried playing way too much cover zero, cover one, too much man coverage, and they couldn't match up against Diggs, Smokey Brown, and company. Uh, Yeet of the week, we're going to get it out of the way early here. Oh my god. Best award we do. Third and seven, third quarter, two minutes left. Wilson escapes the first rusher, is was a good throw. falling back, and somehow finds Tyler Lockett racing to the side of the end zone. Lockett dives, probably should have had it, and I like he makes these catches all the time, but he can't hold this one in. This is the most accurate 40-yard prayer I've ever seen, and the greatest incompletion of all time. Would have pulled the Seahawks to within three points, instead they settle for a field goal, but an unbelievable throw from Wilson, the best throw of the game, the best of the week, and real quick, tweet of the week. For my friend at all 22 bets, uh, he says, quote, Seattle traded their future for Rashad Jones with the PR team, end quote. Talking about Jamal Adams, of course, who has really struggled in coverage this year, despite all his strengths otherwise. So that's my take on that. Great, great win for the Bills, man. You got to believe. We're going uh, two awards per host now. Okay, that sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Can't really can't really talk about this game without talking first to me about the temperature which you're used to buffalo being this snowy tough place to play 69 degrees of kicks so nice a nice day in buffalo nice. uh, just when you were unsure about josh allen a little bit seattle's poorest defense is just what the doctor ordered this is the allen the bills needed back if they were going to win the afc east four touchdowns in the day including one rushing it was apparent that allen had a lot of time in the pocket in this game. It was pressureless. You give any quarterback that much time, he's going to look good. NFL Next Gen Stats had him 20 of 25 for 315 and two touchdowns when he had more than two and a half seconds to throw. Uh, Stephon Diggs, nine catches for 118. My new favorite thing is the Diggs skip step when he has a little bit of space. Uh, mm. Since we're doing multiple awards, may, dare I say it's the skip up of the week, uh, potentially. Does it have to be skip up? Like Hate is that- it. We have to include the word up. See, go to the tape and watch what I mean. It is clearly a skip up. Yeah. Uh, John Brown finally looks healthy, in my opinion. I think he had been dealing with a knee issue. That's going to help Buffalo significantly. 24-10 at the half. Seahawks can never really crawl back in. On the other side of this, Russ was ravaged. The Bills sacked him five times. He threw two picks, lost two fumbles. Again, you can't win with four QB turnovers. We just said that last week. Uh, First interception was fourth and one near the goal line. He had no choice but to throw the ball right into traffic. Jordan Hoyer in the end zone. Then a nice forced fumble by Jerry Hughes, who came around the back end. Third and 25 later in the game, the Bills were playing soft coverage. Picked out of the air by Tredavious White, who actually almost scored on that play. Uh, The last fumble was by A.J. Klein, who we have to talk about. (laughs) Just took the ball from Russ. He walled him and just took the ball. Uh, Klein on the day, five tackles, two sacks, four quarterback hits, and that walk-up takeaway we just talked about. The big notes from this game, 7-2 and two is the Bills' best record through nine games since 1993, the fourth year in a row of their, of their four Super Bowl losses. 
a historical pace for Buffalo. The 44 points allowed were the most in Pete Carroll's 11 seasons in Seattle. Mm. The defense right now, a far cry from the Legion of Boom. The Seahawks kissed, as you mentioned, allowing a league-high 34.3 points per game. Let me tell you something, guys. I have lived this. It was called the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs. You oh, may be able to get to the divisional round. You go. may be able to get to the NFC title game. Eventually, you're going to run into a good team, and you can't win with just offense. The Seahawks need to find a way to be better on the defensive side of the football or just throw away this year. I don't care how good Russ has looked, the offense. It's not going to matter in the playoffs. You mentioned Tyler Lockett kissed. The moments, the magic moments just weren't there. Uh, I feel like the last time a lot of people saw the Seahawks was the Sunday night game in Arizona. There was the insane Tyler Lockett touchdown at the end of that game like that that just that that gear was missing yeah. you mentioned Brian Dable I feel like we still don't give enough credit to Sean McDermott the defensive mind um, somebody who has flustered a lot of quarterbacks obviously the ties to Jim Johnson are very well known I, I mean again if you can contain Russell Wilson and, and 34 points is hardly containing but but I think this was a really well-built game plan I do think power rankings are uh, coming out tomorrow for people all over the media obviously they'll get into that on the oddcast I think the Buffalo Bills are the second best team in the AFC. I think that the Steelers have shown some flaws, and I know they're undefeated, but right now I'd probably take Chiefs, Bills, and then maybe the Steelers, and then maybe we talk about the Ravens. But um, this was a fun game. It is. I, I'm a fan of the Bills being good. I, I know that we've sort of flirted with that idea, but this is more than flirting. This is like, hey, let me get you a third drink. You know what I mean? Are, like, like we're well into this. Serious, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe like meet, ready, ready to meet the parents. Yeah, that's a you know exact uh, type flair. By the way, speaking of meeting the parents, uh, Owen Wilson. There's apparently a new wedding crashers coming out. Nobody asked. Love for that. it. Rachel McAdams, Vince Vaughn, football and crab cakes. That's what Marilyn does. Speaking of things nobody asked for, the navy lightning bolt on the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers helmet uh, will throw you for a loop. Uh, they wore it, I believe, for the first time this season in their 31-26 to loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. Pete, the Raiders are 5-3, and three, and they are coming for the Chiefs! Are you scared? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> One of these games, I think, between... Chargers and the Raiders where you just wish there would have been fans there, especially for the end with that roller coaster like that yeah. moment needed fans. I hope we can get back to that in 2021. I, I, that's some of the best parts, I think, of the NFL. On the Raiders side, the Raiders, are the latest team to get this one two punch thing going at running back. Devontae Booker looked spry going eight carries for 68, the 23 yard touchdown. Josh Jacobs still the lead back, 14 carries for 65 and a touchdown. I just like that idea, man. Keep the legs fresh. Jacobs, by the way, had a nice pylon dive in this game. One of my favorite plays, both in football and Madden. Sometimes I'll be running up to, you know, the end zone wide open and you, you sort of dive into the pylon anyway. I mean, Jacobs needed to do it anyway. Um, Kiss, I'll direct this at you. Yeah. Is Nelson Aguilar good again? Should we oh! be talking about him anymore? 45 yard touchdown pass where he Started down the field and caught it in stride. Derek Carr had a nice and important scramble in this game, a leap over the defender near the goal line for a first down, uh, then the Darren Waller touchdown. I just don't think he's Justin Herbert. You know, I think in Herbert, we're looking at one of the next big things in the NFL. Here are the numbers. Since week two, his debut, 2,146 yards, 17 touchdowns, five picks. He's fleet of foot, which makes it more impressive that the Raiders were able to contain pressure. Seven quarterback hits in the day, including sacks by Max Crosby and Carl Nassib. I'm going to tick off Raiders fans here, so I'm going to know that going in. I know I'm a Chiefs guy. It's not it. 
I just think this was a game that the Chargers played better in, but somehow managed to lose. The eye test was that they the were the better away. team. But the kicking was off, untimely muffed punt, early injury, Justin Jackson. To Vegas's credit, they kept grinding. But I just don't get it for the Chargers. Uh, my last stat to go along with this, Chargers are 2-15. and 15 since last year in one-score games. I love Anthony Lynn. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I think he's going to be fired. You can't lose that many games by one score. You mentioned Nelson Aguilar, so I want to offer a rebuttal there. Former <laughs> okay, Philadelphia go ahead. Eagle. Okay, He's obviously making the splash plays, and if you just watch Red Zone, I get why you think he might be having a big year. This guy has had five catches in one game this year. He's at over 100 <laughs> yards in one game this year. He has Better five touchdowns. Better than Travis Fulgham. That's well, whoa, 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 whoa. you put their game per game stats <laughs> next to each other and Fogum is just flat out outclassing him. Nelson has been the same inconsistent guy with drops issues and you just you just don't see it unless unless you watch the full thing and really analyze his game. But he is tracking the deep ball much better than he was last year. He's tracking it like he did back in 2017 when he had one of the bigger deep passing uh, years for, uh, I think, a top 10 uh, deep passing yard wide receiver year uh, that year. So and you remember. After the Chiefs win for the Raiders, where the, the Chiefs were super aggressive pushing the ball downfield, I asked, was that would that game serve as like a Pandora's box for their vertical game? And the immediate answer in the aftermath was no. It seemed like a blip, like an outlier. A right. check down car has this reputation for taking the path of least resistance. There's good reason for it when you look at his analytics, when you look at his film. This is one of the most conservative quarterbacks in the league, which is what made the Chiefs game so odd. And then you have this game with the Chargers where Carr leads the week nine slate in intended air yards, throws on average travel 12.2 yards down the field. He's second in aggressiveness in the tight windows for next gen stats. Like, who is this guy? Can we get him all the time? And like, like Herbert was the most con consistent producer in this one, but Carr hit a couple big shots over 40 yards in the air. And that's the most interesting part about this for me. The Raiders aren't scary would check down Carr at the helm. They're scary when he can be aggressive and they need to stay aggressive. And look, I don't know what else we need to say about the Chargers charging, but this is like the same Clive Cussler, James Patterson book you see at the mm -hmm. grocery store. It's just got a different title. So, mm. you know, I'll, I'll add something else to watch here. The Chargers 23rd overall selection linebacker, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, really been on the struggle bus, only saw half the defensive snaps in this one, might be a wasted pick or at least an overdrafted one. I dunk about it because I didn't like him, but nobody cares about your fantasy team and nobody cares about my <laughs> big board. Uh, but that's bad news when you project the Chargers into the years ahead. So those those are my takes there. I, I like what I see from the Raiders when they can be aggressive. I, I just want to say this too. Does someone need to tell Mike Williams that big tree fall hard? Like it almost <laughs> is like he doesn't realize he's a massive human being, is always jumping up in the air, always comes down hard, and is always injured. And he could be one of the better weapons in the NFL. He just can't stay healthy because he doesn't realize how big he is. <laughs> RJ. Kiss, you touched on Kenneth Murray, who, to your point, the draft community was not a big fan of generally. That aside, this might be, if if we extrapolate Pete's earlier point, if Anthony Lynn is somebody that the Chargers move on from, this is a really potentially intriguing job. I do think that the Houston Texans job is certainly the one that, that kind of everybody's eyes float towards because of Deshaun Watson. But from a draft capital standpoint, I mean, the Chargers right now are two and six. And so you're talking about maybe having a top five pick. Obviously, you you found the guy at quarterback. You have a, a premier edge rusher in Joey Bosa. You have young offensive weapons. Maybe Austin Eckler comes back. Obviously, it's not ideal to be in the same division as Pat Mahomes. But now that you live in an NFL, world where you have three wildcard teams I just I think that and you, you can be the Kings in Los Angeles I think that that's um, certainly something that's possible with the way your, your favorite team the Rams are playing right now Kiss. 
if you have a quarterback and you have a pass rush. This is an extremely attractive job, right? And you have an opportunity to turn around a losing culture that does not know how to win. But the talent is obviously there. They're competitive in all these games. They just can't finish them. And Bill O'Brien didn't trade away your draft picks. Because don't forget, there's another job that has all those things except for draft picks. Right, exactly. Well, on the subject of cultures that have seemingly successfully turned it around, the Miami Dolphins, who I I was the first person to camp out for... I was the first Monday football Monday leg. Don't let anybody else fool you. I rode for the Dolphins last week. A big time 34 to 31 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Both of these teams now sit at five and three. Pete, you did put the Dolphins on the charcuterie board this week. Congratulations on being second to the party. Wait, RJ, RJ, wait, wait, wait. Who did you pick in this game, RJ? I picked the Arizona Cardinals, okay, and right. I'm okay so with I don't being care wrong. who you picked first. If you're going to jump off this ship, <laughs> if you're going to jump off this ship, there's got to be a new captain. I am the captain now. Went on the SB Nation story, once again on Instagram, told everybody who was going to win this football game. I'm giving away free money. Last week, it was the Bengals. <laughs> this week, it was the Dolphins. You're welcome. Uh, let's go. Let, let's Since I'm the captain okay. now, let's go to the interview. We heard, uh, Michael, You we heard from the the. Miami Dolphins reporter. Thank you. Let's go to it. Let's go to it. You mentioned picking up money, Pete. Let's take it to the Houts. Josh Houts from the Finsider joins us next right here on Monday Football Monday. Josh, I mean this in the least condescending way possible, but the Dolphins are good and they're really fun as I think people are starting to figure out what happened to them in this last year from 2019 to 2020 that spurred this transformation. What has that looked like from your end? It's quite the transformation and we know things kind of started off a little bit rocky there. We all knew the tank for Tua. We knew they were even in play there for Joe Burrow for a little bit, but then they rattled off those that, that win streak at the end of the season. Everyone started to kind of believe. Brian Flores, I mean, he's bringing in his players. I think they had, they brought in 45 new players this offseason, whether that's draft picks, free agent signings. I mean, you can go down the list. I mean, this entire team is completely rebuilt, and that's on the offensive side, the defensive side. Special teams, this entire team is starting to embody that New England mentality, that culture. You know, you always hear about it when these assistant coaches go elsewhere. Are they going to bring in that Bill Belichick culture, and is this going to be a New England-type team? I mean, we're seriously seeing that right now in Miami. The defense looks very similar to what we saw in New England. I mean, that's no surprise with Brian Flores' roots. But I mean, this team is playing great football, complimentary football on all sides. And, you know, it's just nice to see. And I don't want to get too excited. You mentioned the Dolphins are playing good football. I mean, they they really, really are. But as a Dolphins fan, you just want to temper your expectations because it feels like, you know, whenever you get your hopes up, they kind of fall back down. But uh, this team's exciting. And I'm I'm definitely excited for the the direction in which they're headed. Yeah, you mentioned the New England culture. That's been a, a real struggle for other coaches to kind of pull off. You know, Joe Judge is having a struggle with the Giants. Matt Patricia is struggling to, to get that installed over in Detroit. But Brian Flores has really got it going. And the Dolphins, as a result, they're on a four-game win streak. They're fourth in the league in point differential. They come into Arizona, and, and Tua Tungavailoa has a duel with Kyler Murray and comes out on top, 34-31. Uh, this is just a week after trouncing the Rams. What were your major takeaways from this win against Arizona? I think my biggest takeaway from this performance against the Cardinals was that it was so much different than last weekend. We already heard it from the national pundits. You know, they were kind of saying Tua Tungavailoa was struggling compared to Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. You just didn't really see that performance that a lot of Dolphin fans, that a lot of people that were very high on Tua in the draft process expected to see. It. And again, it was his first career start. We know the unprecedented offseason. The defense picked them up. They had those four takeaways against the Rams, completely confused the hell out of Jared Goff. He had no answer for them. And then this week, it was kind of a completely different story. We knew that Tua Tungavailoa was going to have to go head-to-head against Kyler Murray. We know the battle that they had in college, how epic that was. 
we all saw the graphic from the Cardinals official uh, team Twitter. And, you know, it was a battle of the rocket power. And it really was. It was two of the NFL's young, talented quarterbacks going head to head. You know, this was one of those games where it is a second year of a Brian Flores rebuild. And you expected the Dolphins to be able to eventually compete in these games. But they went to Arizona. They played a very good Cardinals team coming off a bye. And, you know, the way Tua Tungvalu went out there, the way he played under pressure, the way he drove the Dolphins downfield when he needed to, he, he showed what everyone, you know, gets excited about there in Miami. And you, you saw those traits and those skills that make him a potentially elite quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, you can't help but be excited by the performance by Tua in this one. I totally agree. And, and look, let's flip sides of the ball here. Let's let's talk about the defense because you mentioned that Rams game and the defense definitely had a big part to play in that win. And, that, and that's going to help them. If Tua has some struggles, you know, you got a defense that can kind of lift you up. We saw the Seahawks, you know, they had a terrible defensive game. Russ looks human and, and they can't they can't hold serve long enough to get back into the game. I think it's a different case with how the Dolphins are built. So they are on a 14 game run of having at least one defensive takeaway. They're sniffing around the top 10 in DVOA. They're a top five scoring defense. When you look at this defense, what's the strengths? What's the weakness? What are we looking at when we examine this defense? Listening to all that, I mean, that really is music to my ears. And I mean, heading into this year, you know, you kind of were waiting to see that this, you know, you brought Brian Flores in here and he was this defensive minded coach and you're waiting to see this defense truly become elite. And we saw the transformation with Brian Flores. You know, he brought in all these free agent acquisitions. You saw the draft picks they made. And it starts with that secondary. We know the Byron Jones signing was that huge offseason move. And, and while he struggled a little bit yesterday, we saw that big play by Christian Kirk. You see what the secondary does, and that allows those guys up front, the Emmanuel Agbas, the Shaq Lawsons, that maybe weren't those big free agent signings that a lot of fans wanted. I mean, David Clowney was out there and some of these other names, and those were the players that these fans were focused on, but they brought in Emmanuel Agba, they brought in Shaq Lawson, they have Andrew Van Ginkle. I mean, they have a bunch of names that I could sit and rattle off that a lot of fans truly don't know about, but they're all doing their part. They're all creating pressure, whether that be because the secondary is doing their part and allowing those guys to get pressure up front, or it's just these you know, you see the blitz package. You see that zero blitz. I mean, it's it's kind of all anybody's talking about, and it's just creating mismatch nightmares for these uh, opposing offenses, and that's what you want to see from Brian Flores, and again, it's exciting to see in year two during, you know, when this quarterback change happened at the bye. You know, the Dolphins were three and three. I mean, this is exciting times, like you said. They, they just won two, two games against very good teams. They're in the midst of a true playoff push. I think if the season ended today, they might have that last seed, so, you know, it's all coming together, and I think you can find some strengths on the defense, but there are some weaknesses, and I think they do need that true speed rusher, and I do think they might uh, target a linebacker in the draft, but it's been awesome to see the way this defense has started to unfold. Yeah, you're seeing the plan unfold and, and really starting to see that that seed bloom for you guys, which is great. And look, every time I talk with another team community man on here, I ask them to predict the future. So the Dolphins have upcoming on their schedule, the Chargers at home, the Broncos on the road, the Jets on the road. And the Bengals at home, the Bengals are looking a little bit tougher. What's their record after that four-game stretch? They're five and three now, predicted over the next four games. I really do think they can go three and one out of this. And I think that the uncertainty, and everyone's excited about next week, the Dolphins will be wearing their throwbacks. It'll be the whole Justin Herbert versus Tua Tungvalu matchup. We know quarterbacks don't play each other, but this is the way this game is viewed. And for every one of the Dolphin fans that, you know, they had their <laughs> their doubts, and some people obviously love Jordan Love over Justin Herbert, which I still don't understand. But it's going to be exciting to see the way those two guys match up. But I do think the Dolphins will pull that out. I I think the biggest matchup here is going to be the Bengals. And you mentioned it. They're playing some pretty good football. You can't count Joe Burrow out of anything. And, you know, I think it's all starting to finally come together for them. So uh, I think the Dolphins will go 3-1 and one because uh, it'd be crazy to say they're going to go 4-0. and oh, And I do think that the, the toughest opponent on their schedule, I do think, will come down to the Bengals because, again, Joe Burrow versus Tua Tagovailoa, it's not quarterback versus quarterback, but that, that's going to be one that 
everyone's going to want to watch. And, and hopefully the NFL does the right thing and, and flexes that guy in the prime time. Josh, I appreciate you swinging by Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL show. Go ahead and, and plug your work, plug where people can find you on social media, all that stuff, man. Far away. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. I, I write for the Finn side or at SB Nation, do some work for Five Reason Sports and, and cover video games for Operation Sports. So I do a lot of different things. But if you're a Dolphins fan, definitely hit me up on Twitter at Houts. Welcome back, everybody. Thank mm-hmm. you to Josh Houts for taking the time to join the sweet, beautiful baritone sounds of Michael Kist constantly filling your ears. My day is always made better whenever I get to hear from Kist or see his smile or, or get a look at that fantastic beard that you guys don't get to see uh, because this is a podcast. But it's it really is magnificent, Kist, and I, I think that you should know that. Um, some would say it is the Kansas City Chiefs of beards. True. People are saying that. The Kansas City Chiefs I have a beard. Who, who have a quarterback <laughs> that I was told Michael refuses to lose eight and one entering the bye thanks to a victory over the mighty Carolina Panthers uh Matt Rule kind of sneakily in the running for coach of the year I know the record certainly wouldn't reflect that but Pete how'd this win go down for Casey yeah this was a little bit more uncomfortable than I think people might have thought that the Chiefs would have an uncomfortable time just because I I think in his absence, people might have forgotten just how good Christian McCaffrey is. Uh, He is a guy that can take over a football game. The Panthers have been in five one-score games now this year. McCaffrey's been out for a lot of them. And guess what? I mean, now that they have him, I think they should be back in the mix. They just would not go away in this football game. And it just is an example. And again, I know you're going to call me a Chiefs homer here. You got to play a perfect game to beat the Chiefs because the Chiefs made plenty of mistakes. They missed a field goal. They missed an extra point. The defense was just allowing really the Panthers skill position players and McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel to just really go at them at free will. But it was Patrick Mahomes continuing to do Mahomes things. He came up with a play where he motioned himself. They called it Ferrari right this week that led to a touchdown, Mm. 372 Four touchdowns. He only got one interception on the year. 25 touchdowns to one interception. So um, not cooking so well in Buffalo. I think we have a new MVP front runner from this game. Uh, it came down to a 67-yard field goal. So the Panthers hung around. And I, I wonder with seven playoff teams in the NFC, if they're a team that could eventually push to maybe make a run there. Came to a 67-yarder. It was not even close to good. But it could have been a little bit closer had the Panthers not been incomplete on the previous throw. Um, Chiefs come away with the win. Not every win has been pretty. Eight and one at the bye week here. Waiting on the Steelers to lose, which almost happened, but it hasn't. And right now, they they don't control that destiny. They don't play the Steelers. So we'll see how this AFC shapes out. But I think they're clearly the best team, and they have the best quarterback. Look, you could tell how badly the Panthers wanted this one with the desperation, urgency, and creativity in their game plan. Uh, this is a team coming off three straight losses in one-score games with the Bears, Saints, and Falcons. And here they are competing their tails off against the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, there was a fourth down decision in the third quarter I didn't like when the Panthers were up four that would that that ended up with a missed field goal and they had fourth and two on the KC 33 cowardly call that upset the football gods and ultimately decided this one but they also earlier they they faked a punt they were super weird on offense with some of their designs uh at at the end of this thing P kind of mentioned it but like they had every opportunity to make this not a 67 yard field goal it's that they checked down three times did some weird stuff in the process Curtis Samuel Mike Davis and Teddy Bridgewater all had a role in that uh, my main takeaway isn't from this game, but it's for the season as a whole. 
okay, so we just watched the Bucks get blown out of the water by the Saints, right? We just watched the Cowboys take the undefeated Steelers to the deep water. We, we keep asking what's wrong with the Ravens and with good cause despite their record. The Seahawks were undressed by the Bills, as we explained earlier. They're these two-tier teams, these top, you know, the, the right, right below. They're just a beautiful mess all around the league. And I, and I want to say this so Pete doesn't have to. Because we'd certainly just eye roll and sigh and all that, but he'd be right. There is one elite team in the NFL, sure, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care about the one loss, right? They had four losses, by the way, by week 10 of last year. I don't care about the tight games. They happen. The NFL is chaos. They're winning the vast majority of those games. They're the only NFL team with a plus 100-point differential. They're on a four-game win streak. Again, they're the, the, they're the Super Bowl defending champions. There's them. And there's everybody else. Now, over the second half of the season, what team can get hot and make us forget about their maybe wonky first half of the season and make a run to seriously challenge this team? That's what I want to know. But I'll tell you, I have zero concerns about the Chiefs as the cream of the crop because they have yet to begun to peak this year, in my opinion. The other factor here that is always impressive, I think, about the Chiefs, and this is Pat Mahomes aside because he's Pat Mahomes and he's extremely distinct and, and unique and special in this capacity, but it, it does feel like, and, and you can certainly validate this yourself, that, that the superstars for the Chiefs always show up when they're needed. It feels like, okay, we need a big play, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. It, like, that's going to happen. feels like the Honey Badger is going to make something happen. feels like Andy Reid's going to will something uh, into possibility, into likelihood. And, and I, that just that isn't as common of a thing across the NFL, uh, which is why I agree with Kiss. This, this is the best team in the National Football League at the moment. I would love to see the Bills we saw on Sunday, obviously, play this team because it does feel like the Bills, with the exception of when they played the Chiefs, do kind of rise to the occasion. They, they, I think they embrace that underdog mentality. I would love to see an AFC championship game between the two of them. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill had 30 targets by Mahomes in this game. Again, I, I, try to, I try to remove my bias, and I know a lot of people are going to say that, but I just think that they are making cases to be the best at their position in the NFL. So sure. it almost becomes unfair that the Chiefs have the best quarterback and guys who... I think Kelsey's there, especially with Kittle and the injuries, but I think he's the best tight end. Hill's yeah. making his case, right, for one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. It is an unfair thing. And there's a there's a method, I think, to being in a game with the Chiefs. And it's sort of what the Panthers did, controlling the football, making long drives, methodical, using up clock, limiting Patrick Mahomes' possession, somehow getting a few stops intertwined there, whether it be, whether it be two or three. You have to do everything perfectly, and then... Also, you may only win by two or three. Like That's how good we're talking about uh, as a team the Kansas City Chiefs are. Remains to be seen if they can continue and keep it up against the best teams. And that's why, too, it's so important, and I, I know it's hard to do, for the Steelers to go undefeated. Make the Chiefs play another game. Make them play another game. I mean, if they can go 15-1 and one and the Steelers can go undefeated, they get the bye. They, they, they don't have to play the Chiefs to do that. So that's going to be important. The, Car the Carolina offense held the ball for 38 minutes in this game just, just to pile on to Pete's point there. That's wild, and you still allowed over 30 points. That's how good the Chiefs offense can hit you up, man. I do think that the Chiefs, when you play them, it's kind of like you ever play like a racing video game, and you almost have to like – you have to like let your brain lose focus. You know what I mean? Like in order to just like stay – afloat or stay in in lane or whatever the case may be uh pete i'm sorry but i'm going to award the come up of the week to the carolina panthers oh. i thought this was a very impressive performance by them and i i, I matt rule Can't i don't wait, think kiss you, kiss gave away two 
Who, now you're giving away miles. Um, Matt Rule, I don't think is going to win coach over the year over the likes of Brian Flores or maybe even Sean McDermott, whatever the case may be. But I do think the job he's done with the Panthers has been very impressive. I feel like I, I hate to lump Teddy Bridgewater into journeyman quarterback you know, territory, but it feels like Teddy's the first journeyman we've seen in a while kind of take hold and legitimately keep his team afloat. The fact that they took the Chiefs as far as they did is extremely impressive. And I think where the Panthers are also coming up, I mean, remember early on in the season, all the takes like the Panthers could sure use a quarterback like Cam Newton. The Panthers really let Cam Newton go to the New England Patriots. I mean, barring Monday Night Football's result and watch Cam throw for like 500 yards now, the Panthers look really well run, and I'm excited to see the future of this organization as Drew Brees' era ends, as whatever's going to happen in Tampa fizzles out, as the Falcons look to rebuild. Things are coming up for the Panthers. Come up of the week, baby. They could be a team that makes a run. They're not the come up of the week, but they could be a team that makes a run. I saw something yesterday, and I know there's no moral victories in football, but you get confidence from that game. You really do. And now they're going to be playing teams the rest of the year that aren't as good as what they just were in a two-point game with. Let's see what they can do here. I know that they have six losses already, but 10-6 gets it done. Let's let's watch what happens. The very last note on this game, you both touched on Christian McCaffrey. It was reported Monday morning before we started recording uh, by NFL Network that obviously he returned in this game, that he could miss more time with a shoulder injury. Uh, Ian Rappaport noted that his status is very much in doubt for this week. So we'll see how Matt Rule continues to cook things up. Up. Some other sort of cook, not Russell Wilson, but Dalvin Cook, the Minnesota Vikings, who I was the only person on this show to pick, mind you. <sighs> The Minnesota Vikings taking down the Detroit Lions. I don't know if that was a, a poor effort at a roar, Pete. Uh, 34 to 20, the final score. Kissed, your thoughts on Kirk Cousins' Vikings? Yeah, my thought was, why are we talking about this game? And I realized it was because... It's on your charcuterie board. Like these two teams. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on. Matt Stafford has this weird week who, where he who almost didn't play. Yeah. Right. It has this weird week where he doesn't get to do anything and he had a bad game. And, you know, like the Vikings aren't threatening anybody, but it is impressive. Dalvin Cook, 22 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Average of 9.4 per carry. And then when Alexander Madison comes in, 12 carries, 69 yards, he's averaging over five yards a tote himself. You keep the ball out of Kirk Cousins. Kirk had a good game, but he only threw the ball 20 times, had three touchdowns. I, I just think this is kind of one of those throwaway games. And honestly, like, neither of these teams matter. But again, I, I see why uh, RJ wants wants to well, uh, take his W. Let, let me, Pete, let me say this really quickly. Because the reason I wanted to talk about the Vikings, I think that they might end up being, and I love Mike Zimmer, um, obviously, as a Cowboys fan, but they, they might sort of pushed themselves into 2019 Atlanta Falcons territory. There was a lot of chatter about Mike Zimmer when the season started, and I think the Vikings might play themselves into keeping him around. Obviously got the extension last year after the big wildcard win over the Saints. And I think that that, you know, that, that those types of things happen. And I, I think they're on the verge of that. Um, and you get a win, you know, like you could just hear the conversation, man, they, they want it Lambo, you know, like, you know, like it just, it, it, it might happen. Guys. <laughs> Did your parents, when you were younger, or maybe a teacher or something, ever teach you the concept of kiss? Keep it simple. Keep it stupid? simple, stupid. Yeah. Let no, me Pete, introduce nobody's, you. Nobody's ever heard of that. You're the Let first. Let me person. introduce you to kissing cousins. The Vikings have a very simple recipe to win. Kirk, don't turn the ball over. Mostly run the ball with one of the best backs in the league today. Make safe passes when you need to. And Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, or in this game, the up-and-coming Irv Smith, not the come-up of the week, the up-and-coming, <laughs> let them work. Your defense is not that good. 
But if you do that, you should be in enough games to at least have a chance to win. No turnovers. Kissing cousins. In just the last two games, Dalvin Cook has 478 yards from scrimmage. Green Bay and Detroit were the opponents. Cook now leads Derrick Henry 848 to 843 in the rushing title battle. Cook has one fewer games, 79 fewer rushes than Henry. On the Detroit side, no Galladay, but Marvin Jones still has some juice. And Danny Amendola still exists. Who would have thought? (laughs) When it comes to running backs, I got to see more DeAndre Swift, baby. You know he's on my fantasy team. I just think he might be one of these backs that is stuck in the can. Reminds me of one of those pop-out toys when you were a kid. The puppets that explode out of the can. And Lots of kid fun. vibes from you in this game, it seems. Uh, we just finished Halloween. We're entering Thanksgiving. Two kid holidays. For some reason... Um, Detroit is like, we're just going to keep those fun puppets in the can. We're not going to use this really fun player that we have. More than anything in this game, my grand takeaway. Hate to say it, but I think this game was a sign that Matt Patricia is going to be a defensive coordinator next year. I just, I don't think he's long for Detroit. I think he, he's back on the market. And if you need a pencil for your paper, uh, you know where to go. <laughs> mm. Michael Kiss, the biggest Matt Patricia fan in NFL media. That, see, like that job would be the polar opposite of the spectrum of the Chargers job to me. I would want nothing to do with a Detroit job if I was, you know, the, the hottest commodity, if I was Eric Bieniemy or whoever the case may be. But Walkis, you complained uh, that Vikings-Lions was on the rundown, so sorry about that. Do you want to talk about Cowboys-Steelers as we approach our quick hits portion of the show? The fact that America's team, Ben Roth, actually, this is my, like, anti-quick thought. Ben Roethlisberger, come on down from Mount Pius. I know your team's undefeated. I know you play for one of the cornerstone franchises in the NFL. I know you're a two-time Super Bowl champion, but you lost a Super Bowl in the building that you almost lost on Sunday. Came out and said, oh, yeah, they might call themselves America's team, but guess what? We're the world's team. Like I, The America's team thing is so annoying. It's a nickname. It's it's nothing more. Quit making it about anything else than what it is. But hey, shout out to my second come up of the week, Garrett Gilbert, who damn near did it. Uh, the Cowboys looked like a functional NFL team, which I hadn't seen in about a month, which is a really nice thing. Football is chaos. I mean, I don't know how to explain that one any other way. I thought the Steelers were over this weird home road split thing where they severely underperform on the road. I think this shows you not even close to the case. So I definitely, even though they're undefeated, I got some concerns about the Steelers, man. I don't know how you play what Gilbert Gilbert. You know, it goes winter, it goes spring, it goes summer, and then Gilbert season. And that's where we've approached now. <laughs> I start to wonder, maybe the Cowboys should have not paid Zeke and just kept Pollard, who looks like You're a really... starting to wonder this? Because we... <laughs> Maybe you should have paid that quarterback that everybody loves. And we're rooting for, of course, in, in Dak. Uh, a franchise that's a mess. But look, they got the Gilbert thing. Do they pay Garrett Gilbert, who would be a restricted fee or free agent? Do they lock him up before they lock Dak up? How does the scheduling on that works? Because it uh, feels like the Cowboys are going to do the wrong thing yet again. It is uh, Zeke. It should be mentioned because there's going to be a lot of takes about him over the bye week. Came into this game with a hamstring injury, but the Cowboys played him anyway. The the Tony Pollard discussion is a real thing, which is this is why you don't pay running backs. I mean, this it's a a core principle uh, in today's NFL. Uh, My last thing on this game, guys, I don't know if you saw this. Juju Smith-Schuster, after he caught a touchdown, apparently, allegedly, was heading was heading to the 50 yard line um to to do something a la terrell owens and antoine woods who was juju's teammate at usc ran out and hey, get get away from get away from the start we, we might be two and seven 
but we've got some pride. And honestly, I didn't think the Cowboys had any pride left, so I'm moderately impressed. Imagine being a uh, uh, imagine being a kid and walking into a toy shop. You see all these great toys, right? But the owner just overprices them, and the manager kind of doesn't know what he's doing. It's late to open up the shop. That's the Dallas Cowboys. Just a lot of great toys with the ownership, and the, the, the store manager has no idea what to do with them. Kiss. So give us a quick hit. It says a lot about the Bears when they're five and three going oh. up against the five and two Titans and they don't even get on the show sheet, right? Like <laughs> the score is going to make it closer than this thing actually was. It was not close. The Bears are exactly who we thought they were. Paper Tigers with no business being five and one at the time. They don't have a quarterback, so I don't care about the defense when it's that bad on the other side. This game was essentially closed out by Jeffrey Simmons, punching it out from David Montgomery and Desmond King returning for the touchdown made it 17 to nothing. I was just on with my buddy, uh, Buck Reising, who covers the Titans, and I told him that Simmons was on, was on the verge of elite, and Desmond King would go a long way in fixing some of their issues on defense. We saw some of that on Sunday. So basically what I'm saying is here, uh, hashtag, tighten up for life. Uh, last point, Desmond King did a Warzone loadout celebration on his touchdown, and as a Warzone addict, I appreciated the hell out of it. That's a man after my own heart. Go Titans. It was an impressive outing from the Titans. Justin Simmons, um, super impressive. Feels like um, not talked about enough, although Michael Kist is all over it as uh, the winner of multiple awards in the Nashville area. Jeffrey Simmons, show some respect. He's not Je- Jeffrey, sorry, my bad. I'm up. Um, I'm, well, it's, I'm, it's, it's okay. The Bears are... It's like uh, the Bears are who we thought they were. Like that's a great name for a podcast if if it doesn't right. exist already. My goodness, this is really I don't know. I mean, Nick Foles is still better than Carson Wentz. That's really all this matters. Oh wow, here we go. Couple league takeaways, uh, quick hits. Kissed, as we know, podcast champ, scouting academy champ, yep. Pete Sweeney on pace to be the first ever Monday Football Monday picks champ. Right now, I have the lead by myself. Just want to mention that. Tom Brady. Uh, the Bucks defense was confused and soft against New Orleans for two of the first three scores. The Saints' wide receivers were wide open. Tom Brady was bad, but history has shown these types of games can wake his team up. NFL Network put up a graphic last night of Brady's blowout losses. New Orleans last night, 35 was the worst. Then 2003 versus Buffalo, 31. The next three, let me talk about the next three. Kansas City in 2014, 27. Tennessee in 2018, 24. San Diego in 2005, 24. In those three, Brady either got two or won the Super Bowl with the Pats. So just because Tom Brady got blown out doesn't mean S. I don't know if you want to bleep that out or not. Uh, congrats to Mike Tomlin, who at 8-0 has clinched a non-losing season. Why is this important? Mike Tomlin has had a non-losing season for 14 years in a row. Under-talked about, underrated, and I know you've been waiting for it. There have been pretenders all show, come up of the week, skip up of the week by myself. We know <laughs> we don't care about the yeet of the week. It's time to talk about the come up of the week and a prediction to go along with it. The NFC East is terrible. You guys know that better than anybody. Alex Smith didn't get the job done on Sunday. Oh, this is a this is a Chiefs take disguised. As but an now NFC's that take. the change has been made officially, Smith can lock in. He could focus. Check his record. I'm not even going to tell you. I want you to go check his career record. He's a winner. I'm ready to say QB it. To come up of the week. The Washington football team will win the NFC East. Oh, Smith will lead them back. He will not only be the come up of this week. He will be the comeback player of the year and one of the best stories. In the history of NFL, book it. You know, you know when you're hot in Vegas and you should cash out, 
but you don't, <laughs> and you let it ride. That's what's happening with Pete right now. That's an insane thing. I'm all take. in, <laughs> and we're going not black or red. We're putting it on green, baby. Wow. That was as big of a disaster as I thought it would be. Uh, the third and most important come up of the week uh, for me, Des Bryant. <laughs> Des Bryant was active in an NFL game for the first time since week 17 of 2017. Uh, that was actually the day that Pat Mahomes made his first start, if anybody wants uh, to chronicle that. Pretty cool to see Des Bryant, and let's be real, looks incredibly sick in the Baltimore Ravens uniform. That's that's the Des way. Uh, I promise you, on the subject of predictions, he will get in the end zone against the Dallas Cowboys seven days after Thanksgiving. It will be, as the kids say, lit. That's what this episode was. To Tomorrow, the SB Nation NFL show will have the oddcast for your audio <laughs> perusal. I think they're yeah. still doing that, right, Kiss? Like, they yeah. they give up yet? They let them do it for some reason. I don't right. know. Odd. Odd that they still do it, really. It it's interesting. Odd. Really. Well, you can listen to uh, to BLG, to Stats. Uh, they will power rank all of the teams in the NFL. Maybe the Jets won't qualify. We'll see what happens on Monday Night Football. <laughs> uh, if you're getting a PS5 or an Xbox this week, hit up Kiss. He's going to have a lot of fun and a lot of... Uh, well, not a lot of time as the Eagles are off their bye week. They really timed that poorly for you, Kiss. So T's and P's in that regard. Pete, congratulations to the best team in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. And congratulations to me for watching a Dallas Cowboys team that didn't crap all over themselves. It was nice. Uh, this was Monday Football Monday. We'll see you next week. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs>